Glory to God. It's good to see all these wonderful, beautiful faces this morning. Hallelujah. And uh, I've got some good news for you. We're going to start off with some good news and praise the Lord for what he's doing. Amen. But first we want to uh, draw your attention to some special guests that we have here. We have Pastor Ronnie and Melissa Gaines all the way from Prior America right here. Amen. And uh, they're wonderful pastors, and he is a, um, a professor at ORU and a wonderful, wonderful teacher of the Word of God, and we're just honored to have you both with us this morning. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, as Jaden said, we were able to uh, purchase uh, a acre lot over here to the northwest, and uh, thank God for American Demolition. They they licked it up. They licked it up off the face of the earth. I'm telling you, it almost looked like a wildlife preserve over there. And uh, Jeff, you know, oversaw and, and did a wonderful job taking down the fence and getting the th- property ready to be demolished. And uh, praise the Lord, we're going to get that all uh, situated, get some grass on it, and then start looking to build something on it. And uh, so very grateful for all that participated and, and gave to that. We were able to get that at a very reduced price because of the dilapidated, you know, uh, area that it was and, and everything. And so, praise the Lord, we were able to pay cash for it. Amen. Isn't that good? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And uh, so we have plans to expand and to move and to uh, continue to grow. And uh, our school is growing. We've got, uh, I think we're seeing a great involvement and enrollment in the school. And, of course, we've got our Bible school also that will be a part of that uh, process as well. So we're very excited for what the Lord is doing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, in uh, December of 2020, I had a stroke. How many remember that? I had a stroke in 2020 when I went and uh, got checked out for that stroke. Uh, my heart uh, ejection fraction, which is the amount of contraction that the heart makes, was at 20%. Uh, it was in dire need. I was put on, you know, um, congestive heart failure, you know, uh, regimen, things of that nature. And they wanted to put, you know, a defibrillator in me and... And then they started, uh, after a year's time, they took my um, echocardiogram and they saw it was still at 20%. So they figured it would never go back to normal. And so they started talking to me about transplants and heart pumps and things of that nature. It was absolutely one of the worst days of my life uh, hearing that after a couple of years, you know, waiting for the thing. It, it had risen up and then it went back down. And uh, it was a dark night of the soul. How many know what those are? Amen? It was just a dark night of the soul. It was in December of last year. And so Christmas was kind of dark. <laughs> you know, it's kind of dark and, and kind of bleak. And you really didn't know if you had a future. You know, I knew from the Word of God that I had a future. And I always held fast to the confession since 2016 when the first, you know, incident happened. 
And uh, so I began to believe God. Now, when I initially got diagnosed with this, I, I did all of the uh, physical regimen that you would want to do. I, I walked for two solid years. I worked, I, I've actually got the paperwork on it. I walked five miles a day, every day, for two years. And uh, I did it religiously. And I mean, I was obsessive about it and in the wrong mindset about it. Come on now. You can get in the wrong mindset about stuff and start looking to that stuff for your, as your source. And so a lot of times when we get diagnosed with something in our body, we begin to look for natural things, and those are not wrong. There's not wrong. Exercise and eating right will not do you harm. Okay? It, 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 won't, it won't kill you. Amen? But if you put your trust in that stuff, you know, um, then it becomes a problem. It becomes an issue. And so even through all that, I never would get up past 40, 42%. Well, you know, I decided to heck with all that. I'm, I'm just going to get in the Bible and I'm just going to believe the word of God. And, you know, I've been teaching you about this. I've been teaching you about how that the scriptures that he gave me, the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That in Psalm 22, it says, Jesus' heart melted like wax within his chest. That's heart failure. That's absolute heart failure. That's exactly what it feels like. Okay, they pierced his side and, and, and penetrated the, the, the sacrium. Uh, that's heart failure. And blood and water spilled out. Okay. He, he suffocated on that cross. He, he, he drowned. That's what, that's how they died on the cross is they drowned in their own fluids. And, uh, I knew exactly what it did, what it was. But when we realize that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that he took heart failure for me and he took heart failure for you. He took heart failure for all of you. Amen. And so I just got in there and I began to confess and began to do that. You know, listen, the work of God, you want to know what the work of God is? Jesus told us what it is, to believe. It's not to try to make it happen. It's not to try to, you know, fix it up or work it out in your own flesh. It's just believe. He says, this is the work of God is to believe. And I got in the realm, but not that I didn't believe before. Praise God. I was able to operate symptom free all this time. I've had no symptoms. I go to there. They wonder why I'm coming. And they've done it for six years. Six years. No swelling. Sleep flat. I can sleep on this floor without a pillow. Nothing. Nothing at all. My blood work. Perfect. Has been for six years. Okay. All right. That's the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. But I went last Thursday for echocardiogram. And, uh, you know, they said, well, you had 20%. We will make sure, you know, you're not still at 20%. We'll have to do some other things. And so I took it. And, I, you know, the Sunday night before, I had the sons of the house and the uh, watchmen and the elders pray over me. Not pray for me because I already received. But to come into agreement. And praise God on Tuesday... You know, I was all, you know, how you bite your nails when you've got somebody calling you and you see their phone number come up on your caller ID and you go, oh my, 
what's this going to be? And I prayed and I said, Lord, I need to know what, what the number is before they call me. And he gave me a number. He gave me a number uh, at that day. That was the Friday after I took it. He gave me the number, what it was, and, it, and he was true to his word. But you know how you wrestle with it in your mind. And so they called and they said, is this Greg Hurd? I said, yeah, this is Greg. I was with Mimi and, and Karen in the car. We were going to Mimi's birthday party. And uh, they said, well, we got the result of your echocardiogram. I said, all right, what is it? And she said, well, she goes, you were at 20%, but you're at 56%. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Amen. Which is normal range. Normal range. And I've shared this with you on the 17th, uh, around in 2017 in August. I had a vision. I was praying at the camp. And I had a vision of, of, I didn't see his face or anything, but I just saw what I believe was the Lord Jesus. He was sitting over by one of our camp tables. And he bid me to come over. I was praying in the spirit. And uh, he had me sit down in there, and he said, raise your hands. And I began to raise my hands and begin to worship the Lord. And he had this uh, glowing orb in his hands, and he thrust that into the center of my chest, and I knew what he was doing. Spiritually, he was transferring a new heart. Okay? Now, you've got to, you know, that was six years ago. Okay, that was six years ago, okay? I had issues in between, but we held on to that. Said, no, I've got a new heart. They were telling me, your heart is wore out, it's gone. You're going to need to get a transplant. They were talking to me about wearing a pump around and being like Darth Vader. I'm not going to be Darth Vader. I'm not going to use oxygen. Come on now. And I held fast to the word of God. He gave me several words. I've shared them with you. And I held on to them and praised the Lord. I'm standing here result. He told me it was 53 and climbing on Friday. 53 and climbing. When they called me, it was 56. Praise God, I'm well over 60 and going on to 70. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And he's the strength of your heart too. And he's no respecter of persons. I didn't get this because I'm a preacher. I got this because I'm his child. I got this because he's my God. I got this because Jesus took my place and took my curse. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Can we rejoice in the Lord together? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, in, in, in January of 2021, I was wearing a defibrillator pack and preaching to you. I'm totally free. I have no... Amen? And I'm not going back. You know, he gave me a word, and I shared that word with you. I, you, you don't realize I was words I'm sharing with you is stuff that he gave for me. 
And he brought me to the Exodus when they went through the Red Sea. And I remember on that one meeting in which we had all the bad news, the Lord gave me a word. And uh, he said to the Israelites as they had the Red Sea before them and Pharaoh's armies behind them. And that's where I felt. I felt there was absolutely no way out and the enemy was hot on my tail. How many know what I'm talking about? And he says, stand still. Hallelujah. He said, stand still. And he says, and and be encouraged, another translation says. He says, for the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. He told me that. Now, are the doctors and the nurses the Egyptians? No. They were sweet people. They helped me and did the very best they possibly could. They were not my enemies. They were my helpers. What I'm talking about, the enemies that tried to take my life, spirits of infirmity and things of that nature that were trying to take my life. He said, you'll never see him again. So heart failure is a thing of the past for me. High blood pressure disorder is a thing of the past for me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Diabetes is a thing of the past. Amen. It's buried in the bottom of a sea that God parted for me to cross over. And then as my enemies were trying to grab the heel as I was getting over on the promised land, it encaved upon them and destroyed them and washed them away, never to be seen again. He'll do the same for depression. He'll do the same for addiction. He'll do the same for cancer. He'll do the same for any malady that you have. If you'll just simply believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good. So I'm going to be here for a while. Hallelujah. I hope you don't mind. Amen. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. We've got some work to do today. Numbers chapter 11. And I'm going to just let the scripture speak. And then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to people's needs here today. Because that's really what we need to decide. Is our service is just going to cater to the whims of man? Or are they going to glorify the Lord and allow him to do what he wants to do? I've made a decision for the latter. How about you? You know, for 20, over 22 years, the church has catered to guests. Now, that doesn't mean I don't love guests. I love guests. I love anybody that would come in there. But we've done it at the expense of the maturity of the house in the sense that there has to be a balance. I love guests. We reach out to guests. We make guests feel special and we call them and and, and do it. But guess what? It's the Lord that builds a house. Amen. You know, there's no amount of gifts I can give you to make you want to come here. There's no amount of preaching I can do to make you think, man, I got to be there next week. It's the Lord that builds the house. And if you're called to this house and praise God, he'll let you know it. 
Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be friendly and have an open hand and, and want to help you in your decision-making. Of course I do. But I'm not going to cater to where you're at at the expense of where the body is. So I'm not going to dumb down my messages. Hello. I'm not going to preach a comfortable message for you because you're just visiting. I'm going to preach what the Lord gives me. And we've been doing that for a while. The Lord told me back when I did Babel back, I guess it was 2018, here, right here. We did it on a Sunday morning. He told me, he said, start preaching to them at the higher level. He says, because they may not get all the way there, but they'll get higher than if you preach down to them here. See, many times we feel the pressure as pastors to say, well, you know, the mixture of the crowd, the composition of the crowd, we, we, we kind of got to, you know, kind of got to go back and, and, and do the basics, you know. Well, I'm all for the basics, but, you know, I, I read somewhere in the Bible, I believe it's the book of Hebrews, it says, now leaving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, nobody, nobody likes to hear that. Now leaving, you know. Uh, all of the principal doctrines, you know, let us go forward. Let us, let us move forward into new things. And so I have made a conscientious decision to quit protecting you from your Bible. And to stop limiting the Holy Spirit experience in your life. Even if it scares you. Oh my goodness gracious. This is going real well. I remember as a Baptist boy. Taking two of my friends to go to a camp meeting. Well it was winter Bible seminar. And Brother Hagin was still alive at that time. And he was considered a prophet. And I never knew that prophets exist. Because I, all I had was a Baptist uh, background. And so he got into one of them spooky modes, you know. I mean, and uh, we was just we were just shocked. Our jaws were on the floor. I actually tasted concrete with my tongue. It was just something. And I mean, we drove all the way back from Broken Arrow to Manford, Oklahoma, where we all lived. Silent. There was no talking. We had never seen anything like that nor been exposed to anything of that nature. But every day it began to build and build in my spirit. God began to awaken the realities of that and all of the obstacles in my mind that caused me to think that that may not be what is biblical. He began to explain to me, yes, this is the way that the believer is supposed to operate. Amen. Now we see a scripture here in the 11th chapter of the book of Numbers in which Moses is having trouble with the people of God. How many, how can you imagine that? Can you, anybody imagine that a pastor or a leader would have any trouble at all with the beautiful, merciful, gracious people of God? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
How many know who Mark Barclay is? Mark Barclay was a, um, he was a um, uh, heavily decorated uh, special ops soldier in the, in the armed forces. And he retired from there and went into ministry. And he was recounting the time that he uh, first met Lester Summerall. How many know who Lester Summerall is? Lester Summerall was one of the generals of the body of Christ, you know, from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even into the 90s before he passed. And um, he remembers that he was in a meeting with Lester Summerall. He was so excited to meet Lester and uh, Lester came by him and said, hey, I hear that you were a decorated soldier and stuff. And he said, well, yes, but I'm called into the minute. And Lester just walked off. And he did that three times. And he said, eventually, Lester came to him. He says, oh, you were in the armed services, weren't you? He said, you, you experienced all that training and everything. And he looked at him with it. And Lester kind of had, have you ever had a rooster? Look at you through that one eye on the side. Lester kind, Lester kind of had that. And he looked at him and he said, wait till you meet God's people. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of truth to that statement. Amen. Hallelujah. And so complaining had went out in the camp. I know that never happens here, but complaining was going out in the camp and it was discouraging to Moses. They were saying, we don't want this manna anymore. We want to eat meat. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to being slaves because we had melons and we had leeks and we had onions and we had meat. And we're eating this, this manna. We don't even know what it is. Okay. It was, it was angel food. It's food that angels eat. And it strengthened them and caused them to be in supernatural health and sustained them for 40 years. Caused them to supernaturally grow and their clothes grew with them and everything. I mean, I'm telling you this was supernatural, but yet they couldn't see it. How many have ever been in the supernatural and couldn't see it? Amen. And uh, so they were complaining. And Moses gets discouraged. Not any pastor around here gets discouraged, but Moses got discouraged. And he said this, why'd you put this burden on me? I'm paraphrasing. Why'd you put this burden on me? These people, you're having me wrap them up, put them in there and suckle them. And it's too much of a burden for me. And God gives him a plan. Now listen, Jethro gave Moses a plan and Moses didn't listen. In the 18th chapter of the book of Exodus, he told them, you know, train leaders, get leaders in there. Well, Moses didn't do that, so God had to tell him, get 70 men of the elders of the tribes of Israel. Bring them together. Bring them to the tent of meeting. And I'm going to take of the spirit that is on you. And I'm going to put it on them. Amen? Amen? Praise God. That's always the answer. That's the answer to any growth in the church. That's an answer to any growth in ministry is to allow what God is doing in you to begin to be, you know, uh, continue to multiply in the lives of others. That's key to successful business. That's key to successful families. 
is to allow the dissemination of what God has done in you, not to whole, wholesale have it and put paint yourself in the corner, but actually disseminate it. Amen? And notice this in verse number 26. Well, let's, let's look at verse number 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, notice that, very different from the, the dispensation that you and I are in. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could only rest upon and only for a short time. He could not rest and stay because of the depravity of man. Amen? Because man was not born again. He would come and light upon the prophet, the priest, and the king. Those three offices in the Old Testament. But here he's resting upon these 70 elders, which is a type and shadow of what Jesus would eventually do for the church. They rested upon him. And guess what happened? They began to prophesy. Amen? So we, we need to understand that in both Old and New Testament, that when the Spirit of God comes upon an individual, action and unction come and follow it. And they begin to unction prophetic utterances. Notice this. But notice it says, but they did not continue doing this. See, that's the difference between the Old and the New Covenant. Oh, I hope you're getting this. Now, we've been teaching all month. Don't act like it's the first sermon that you're hearing about the Holy Spirit this month. We've had three ministers minister. Kevin's minister, and then we had uh, Marvin Yoder every Wednesday night. So let's, 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 let's get up on the top shelf. Let's, don't come, don't, let's not go back down to the bottom. But notice this. Now two men remained in the camp. One was named Eldad and the other Medad. How would you like those names? And the Spirit rested on them. They were among those that were registered, those that were called to come to the tent, but they did not come to the tent. Now listen to me. There are people that say this. Well, you know what? I gotta make my ministry happen. I've gotta make it happen. I gotta be at the right place at the right time. Not according to God. God knew where they were. Even though they were not at the place where they should be, God still moved on them because they were registered in heaven. And guess what? They began to prophesy. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. There was another instance in which a man was casting out devils and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And the disciples saw him and they said, Man, we need to stop him. And they told Jesus, they said, we need to stop this brother. He's not with us. He's not one of the 12. He didn't pay the price we're paying. He, he didn't, you know, have to put up with you. Come on now. <laughs> leave his business. Leave his family. He hadn't done any of that. And the Lord looked at him and said, Hallelujah. 
He that is not against me is with me. He didn't forbade this man executing the name of Jesus in regards to his ministry just simply because he wasn't in the camp. The same thing happened here. These two men were not in the camp. They weren't where they were supposed to be, but God knew their address, and God knows your address. God knows where you're where you're at. You don't have to meet so and so and connect with so and so and mix and go to this meeting. Come on now. God knows where you're at. Well, I got to get God to notice. God already notices you. Hello. Amen. Come on now. He said, forbade them. But notice this. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. I'm here to tell you, if you haven't got it already, this day has already happened. What Moses was looking forward to is now in full-blown manifestation right here, right now. Joel 2.28, he said this, And it shall come to pass in the last days afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters. They shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall have manifestations, supernatural visitations is what one translation says. On the day of Pentecost, it says the Holy Spirit fell, baptized the believers, the 120 in the upper room. And they came out under the influence of the Spirit and people accused them of being drunk. They said, these people are drinking at nine in the morning. But Peter stood up and said, these men are not drunken as you suppose, but this is that. This is that which was spoken by Joel, hallelujah, in the last days, and he takes the word afterward out of that because it's manifesting right there on the day of Pentecost. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. In Galatians chapter 3, it says, Christ, 13, has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangs upon a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, what was the blessing of Abraham? Righteousness. Imputed righteousness. We don't have imputed righteousness. The Bible says we've been made the righteousness of God. It's not imputed to us like on a bill or on a tab. We have become his righteousness. He says the promise of Abraham might come upon us that we might receive the promised spirit. So the purpose of Jesus was not simply to get you to heaven. The work of Jesus was not simply to get your name not blotted out of the book of life. 
The purpose of Jesus was to cleanse you, to make you righteous with his blood so that he could inhabit you where he would no longer visit the prophet, priest, and king, but he would inhabit and manifest himself in the believer. We are a habitation of God in the spirit. Amen. And the promise of the Spirit is to everyone. Is to everyone. Amen? I'm running out of time, so I'm, I'm going to have to kick it into high gear. Amen? Are you getting stirred up? People say, I just need a visit from God. He inhabits you. He lives in you. Oh, we covered it over and over. He said, I will make my dwelling place on the inside. Oh, my goodness, if we would get an awareness of what the Holy Spirit, who is in, on the inside of us, praise God, we would it would cure all of our ills. Amen? Hallelujah. So... In order for the Holy Spirit to manifest as Jesus in his physical body was able to manifest, Jesus, because he had a physical body, was able to manifest and do certain things. He said, it's expedient that I go away. He said, it's to your full advantage that I leave. Now, to the disciples' mindset, that's absolutely uh, anathema to them. I mean, that, that is something that they would not want. In fact, Peter rebuked him because he's the founder of their so-called religion. But Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. So, you know, sometimes when the, when the founder is gone, it just kind of dies out. And many of the false messiahs that were around that time, they were ended up being killed off or imprisoned or things of that nature. And their factions just disseminated. So they knew exactly what was, what, what was going to happen. They said, no, you're not going to go anywhere. He said, no, it's to your advantage because if I don't go away, I'm not going to send the spirit down to you. Now, see, that mindset, it, 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 it riddled the disciples' minds and it riddles our minds even today. Because if we were all, you know, questioned whether or not we would want the Holy Spirit's ministry or a physical Jesus right here, majority of people would want a physical Jesus. But Jesus said, it's better. He said, it's better that I go away. Because if the Holy Spirit comes, it's not just me walking about where you have to come to me and I'm in a centralized location. Now, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere and in all things. Amen? But here is the issue. Here's the disconnect. The Holy Spirit needs a body. Hello. 
In order for you to function in this world, that's the reason why you're in that earth suit right now. It's the only way you can take what's on the inside of you and animate it out into the physical world. It's the only way. God manifest in the flesh through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ conveyed the nature of God throughout his ministry. However, there seems to be a disconnect between the body of Christ that's on the earth and the Holy Spirit's activity within it. And many times we are not displaying the character or the power that the Holy Spirit has. And in fact, many are convinced that the Holy Spirit is a second-class person of the Godhead. That he is not on the same level as the Father and as the Son. But the Bible teaches differently. The Bible teaches that he's co-equal, he's co-eternal, he's as omnipotent and all-powerful as any member of the Godhead. And in fact, he is the very same classification. Has the same power, the same ability, the same character. Amen? But he needs a body. And there are whole factions of the body of Christ that do not even recognize his ministry, nor even give any attention to it whatsoever. And in fact, when he tries to manifest, it's met with ridicule and censure and criticism. Facebook posts have been written about these services right here. There have been times in which we have streamed some services, and I'm getting to where I don't even want to stream our special services anymore because people begin to criticize the manifestation and the move of the Spirit. They begin to say, oh, well, that's not of God, that's not of this. Listen, there's a disconnect. So we have to understand that there are factions also of the body of Christ that misrepresent the Holy Spirit by going too far. And operating in other spirits and calling it the Holy Spirit. So we have to understand that there's a ditch over here and there's a ditch over here. There's a ditch in which there is absolute full license, anything goes, a Balaam mentality. And then over on the other side we have a cessationalist where the Holy Spirit's not moving anymore. That only the Bible. In fact, the Trinity to many denominations is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. And they've replaced the Holy Spirit in his move with intellectualism and, and, and information about the Bible. The Bible and the Spirit are one. They operate together. And you can't have the Holy Spirit's ministry without the Word of God going forth. Because Mark 16 tells us that He confirms the Word with signs and wonders following. So He works as the Word begins to create atmosphere and give the proper resource just as he did in the days of creation when he hovered and the, the actual Hebrew word means it was flighting like a bird over the deep of the waters, over the face of the deep. And God said, and he moved on God's word and he still moves on God's word today. He doesn't move on your word. 
He doesn't move on my word. He doesn't move on any politician's word. He moves on God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this? Amen. Hallelujah. So how does he manifest? Well, let's look over at a couple of places. Uh, Let's look at uh, Romans. If you are born again here today, and I trust that all of you are, and if you are not, then praise God, this is the day. Because God has something good for you with your name on it right here. And it's salvation in Christ Jesus. And all that receive Jesus Christ receive the Holy Spirit. Now you receive the new birth, the indwelling of the Spirit. But then there's also a gift subsequent to it called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And many of you may be born again but have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today's your day. Because the baptism in the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit coming upon you for acts of service. Amen? It's different than in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon just like we read about the elders. Would come upon and they would prophesy. So he would come on and they would prophesy. But in the New Testament, the Spirit of God fills us. And when the baptism of the Spirit, it comes upon us, the anointing doesn't come from down to us. It comes from up out of us and over us. Because we've received his fullness. Amen? And that same unction and that same action can manifest in your life as a believer. And in fact, not all believers are prophets, but all believers can prophesy. Oh, come on now. Amen. All right. Notice this, verse 2 of chapter 12. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He doesn't say, don't think of yourself highly. You've got to have a good God-fidence in yourself. Amen? It says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Amen? But to think with sober judgment, each according to what? The measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members. We've got the members right here. And the members do not all have the same function. Everybody say function. We don't all have the same function. We are created to function specifically in an area that God has designed. The Bible tells us that God set us in the body as it pleased him. Not as it pleases us, but as it pleased him. So my function is different than your function, and your function is different than my function. And we should learn to celebrate that and stop coveting other people's functions. And stop competing with other people's functions. Amen? Or stop jockeying for position for other people's functions and begin to embrace the function that God has for us. So we, through though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts. Everybody say gifts. This is the Greek word charos and it means grace giftings is what it means. 
Here is the thing that the Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 4. We looked at it in our Latin, the last time I was together where we talked about unity. It says, but to each one of us has been given grace, keros, giftings, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So that tells me this, that when you got born again, you received keros, giftings. That means that you are a gifted class of being. Everybody say that. I am a gifted class of being. You've got gifts. You have keros giftings given to you by God, activated by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says, wherefore he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. What was the gift? The gift of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the gift. The gift comes down because Jesus went up, praise God, amen? And he's not left. And his main expression is to operate his nature through the fruits of the Spirit that Kevin talked about. And his power through the gifts of the Spirit. And to show his characteristics and nature through motive gifts, which he's going to list right here. Motivations. Motivations of the Spirit. Inclinations that are on the inside of people that they don't even recognize as spiritual gifts. They're so entwined together that they don't understand that these are grace giftings because they operate them as second nature. Amen? Hello? Now he's going to begin to list these. And look for yourself. Amen? You always need to look for yourself in these grace giftings. Amen? And it says, members one of another, having gifts that differ According to the grace given to us, let us use them. He says, if prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. Notice this. Grace giftings and their expression in your life are all based on faith. They're executed by faith. They're developed by faith. And you begin to get more proficient as you grow in faith. Your confidence will grow in your grace gifting as you begin to get more acclimated to that gifting. Understanding it, yielding to it, majority of time, it's just simply learning to yield. That's the problem. A lot of people, they, they want to talk about it. They have dreams about it. They talk to their pastor about it. They talk to their friends about it, but yet they never step out. No, the only way that you're going to be able to grow in your faith, which is your confidence, in regards to what God has put within you, is to act on it. Well, I'm afraid of making a mistake. You will. As sure as I'm standing on this podium here, you will make mistakes. 
but you will continue through his grace to grow in your gift and to create an ability to discern the voice of God and operate in his will. Amen? Hallelujah. So prophesy. Does that mean you're a prophet if you prophesy? No, it does not. Not everybody, you know, there are people have this, they prophesy one time, say, oh, I'm a prophet. No, that's not true. The simple gift of prophecy is to edification, exhortation, and comfort. It means that you're speaking out of a known, inspired tongue to where it's understandable that brings edification, exhortation. Exhortation is, is also correction in the sense that it's not condemning, but it brings about, you know, uh, the ability to make a decision in another another way. And then comfort. How many have been comforted by a word of prophecy? Amen? See, the, that's what the, the simple gift of prophecy is. It's not foretelling. It's forthtelling. Amen? It's, it's forthtelling. It means I'm speaking forth from the river of life on the inside of me, and I'm, I'm connecting with God's spirit and I'm bringing words of encouragement and of strength to you through divine unction. Amen? But that doesn't mean you're a prophet. Well, I had a dream. I'm a prophet. Doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean that at all. Just because you had a dream does not mean that you're a prophet. Hello? And in fact, if you study the book of Jude, you will find that one of the characteristics of false teachers is dreams. Hello. Now, I'm not saying dreams are bad. There are many times the Lord has given me dreams and given direction to dreams, and we also see that in the New Testament. You see, we see that, you know, where he said, young men, dream dreams. Old men will dream dreams. Well, I guess I qualify, but old men will dream dreams because we're sleeping all the time. <laughs> Amen. Hello. Dreams are a part of it. But when you start taking those dreams and you start dictating to other people what they do, that's witchcraft. That ain't prophecy. That's not operating as a prophecy. That's witchcraft. That's manipulation. Hello. I've ran into situations in which people will get a dream about someone else. First off, I'm going to tell you this. It is extremely rare that God would ever give you a dream about someone else. It is extremely rare. It is not the norm. Majority of dreams that you'll get will be in regards to your condition in your life and situations that are happening in your life. But to dream about somebody that, you know, you, you just have a barely connected relationship with, I would put that under the microscope a little bit more and pray about that. Especially when it comes to direction. Because the Bible says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It does not say who is led by prophets or who is... Prophets are not the primary way we receive direction. That's the Old Testament. We receive direction because Moses... Prayer was answered. The Spirit of God has not just come upon everybody. He now lives in everybody that is born of God. Amen? Are we okay? Golly, 
I thought I'd be further along here. Amen. It says, if service in our serving. Did you know that service is a gift? It's a grace gift. There are people that serve and it is just easy for them to serve. I mean, there's a grace on it. And they they just do it. They never complain. They never grumble. They may be tempted to, but they just, the, the gift kicks in. I said the gift kicks in. Have you ever been where you're just like, oh, I got to go to that class. And, and all of a sudden the gift kicks in and you come out better. Have you ever went to church and served tired and came out refreshed? Amen. I'm telling you, that's when the gift's kicking in. And if the gift's not kicking in, you need to pray. And ask God, why in the world is it not kicking in? Because it might just be your stinky attitude. God, God don't like ugly. That's what Miss Vivian would say. God don't like ugly. Okay. Notice this. The one who teaches in teaching. Now, here's a major issue. We have a lot of young men and women that believe that they're called into the ministry just simply because they have a desire to teach. But there is a motive gift to teaching that is not affiliated with fivefold ministry. Amen? There are some wonderful... How many have ever been blessed by a Sunday school teacher? By a teacher that just had a regular job. But you know what? When he'd open the Bible or she'd open the Bible, it would just, you just learn so many wonderful things because there was such revelation in what they said. And it's, 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 it's a motive gift teacher. It's a keros gift teacher. Amen? Not a five-fold ministry teacher, just someone that can teach the Word. But guess what? They developed their faith in that ability to teach. They may never grace a pulpit. They may never go overseas. They may never do anything other than just have a class in their home or have a class in a Bible school or maybe even have a podcast or something, but they're never called into the ministry. They just have the ability to teach. Amen? And some people, they misinterpret that and say, well, I need to be a pastor because I want to teach. That's not what a pastor is. Oh, God. Come on now. If this if you think this is the bulk of the ministry, you're 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 mistaken. This is just the icing on the cake. And you can't live on icing. Amen. You live on that Duncan Hines icing. I've tried. Hello. Oh, you you get unhealthy. You get unhealthy. And there's people that see you don't understand the administration components. To being a pastor, you don't understand it at all. Now, I don't call myself an administrator, but I administrate. I administrate by a gift of the Spirit because I oversee. Just as every pastor here oversees an area, they're grace-gifted to do so. And I'm here to tell you, I've had people that have grace gifts to be able to administrate, and I've had people that don't have a grace gift to administrate, and gifting is better. Come on now. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, now notice this. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. Again, this is also a misnomer and confusion. Exhortation is a form of preaching. It's a form of proclamation. 
And yet there are many exhorters in the body of Christ that think that they're supposed to be fivefold ministry gifts. Notice in Ephesians chapter 4, it says he's given us all grace giftings according to the measure of the gift of Christ. But you drop down to verse 11 and it says, but he gave some. You see what I'm saying? Some, and in fact, in the King James Version, and if you look it up in the original language, the word some, or two O-U in the Greek, is mentioned before each gift. Now, in some translations, it's not mentioned at all. It just says, and he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. But if you look it up in the original language, it basically gives the idea that this is a select group. Now, that doesn't make me better than you. That doesn't make Kevin better than you, or Jeff better than you, or Karen better than you. It doesn't make anybody better. It's increased responsibility. Please understand that. Understand that it's increased responsibility that you may not want. Hello, you just need to be happy that I'm an exhorter, man. I can exhort and people be saved. I've had people come up, never, never would pastor a church, never would travel and become an evangelist, but yet they get up and they share their testimony and they exhort from their heart and the Spirit of God flows out and people get saved and healed and delivered because they're an exhorter. Amen? Okay. All right. You're acting like you guys like this. Okay, so that's good. Lord, thank you. Notice the one who contributes in generosity. Did you know that giving is a grace gift? (laughs) When you pastor, you know that's not hard to believe. Because some people have the gift and some people don't. (laughs) Come on now. But there is a gift of generosity. There are people that they they can make money in their sleep. I mean, they can start businesses when everything's failing that God will prosper them because you want to know why? They have the grace of giving. It's their giving. Oh, if we just understand that. You know, I've been writing, reigning in the system of the beast and been talking about the fact that, you know, tithes and offerings are God's financial system. It's not just something that you can show your religious devotion to God. Most people have this idea that when I give to the church, I'm showing my devotion and my priority to my God. And there's an aspect of that. But you have to understand that it's God's financial system to keep you from the winds and the waves and the storms of the physical financial system that we live in. It saves you. It redeems the 90% that's out in the world and keeps you from setbacks, the devourer. Come on now. You've got to understand that. But there are people that are grace to give. And they will, it, for them to write a check for a million dollars is nothing to them. Even if, it, even if it's their last million dollars. They don't have it because they're gifted. They've got a grace gifting. They finance missions all over the world. They finance trips. They finance building of buildings, things of that nature. We need more of those gifts. I, I, I have to tell you, those gifts are in hiding. 
I believe they're in hiding in this house. Amen? We've got a building to build in the Philippines. It's going to cost about $60,000, right? $60,000, $100,000, give or take 100000 <laughs> Amen? We're going to build it. We raised money to build and help uh, the Thompsons build, Tompkins build uh, a training center in Uganda that Karen and Rebecca and Tammy Kemp are going to go to at the end of this next month in August. They're going to go to, amen, do a ladies' conference in Uganda. Can you believe that? Bob's leaving in, in late August. Go to the Philippines and begin to establish works there. Listen, they need people who have this gift of contributing. Amen? How are churches built? Well, we just pray. No, you pray and you give. Come on now. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm running out of time. Okay. All right. It says the one who leads. Did you know that leadership is a charis gift? With zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Did you know that mercy is a charos gift of God? That God wants to show mercy. He wants to show leadership. He wants to show contribute, uh, you know, generosity, contributing. He wants to show all these things and manifest these things. But he needs a body to do it. We can sit and talk about these all we want to. But the truth of the matter is it takes a body to show forth these things. Now, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then we're going to then we're going to pray. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1. The apostle Paul says, "Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed." Actually, the word means ignorant. <laughs> it doesn't mean just uninformed like you just didn't get the memo. It means we just don't want you to be dumb about this stuff. It's stupid. And the actual Greek says, now pertaining to things and manifestations of the Spirit, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, he's not just talking about the nine gifts that are listed here. He's talking about all of the gifts. He's talking because he mentions the fivefold ministry gifts uh, in the uh, 27th verse. He mentions the, uh, the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher. It's coded, especially the last three, I mean the last two, which is the um, pastor and the evangelist. They're coded in working of miracles, which is the evangelist, gifts of healings, which is the evangelist, and then it talks about administration and governments and diversities of tongues, which represents the pastoral ministry because that's really what the pastoral ministry does. Okay. So he's talking about all of these various manifestations of the Spirit, even the motive gifts that we just read. And he doesn't want us to be ignorant about them. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. So when we look at the nine manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, we need to understand that they are God's answer to the nine manifestations 
of spirits in the pagan world. Did you know there's an alternative spiritual gifts that are on the dark side? That there are power gifts in the occult? That there are revelation gifts in the occult? And there are oracle gifts in the occult. This found in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Let's look at them. Because we need to get acquainted with them because guess what? They're manifesting today. And they're manifesting many times in our churches. Hello. Well, we guard against them in our church, and I'm sure they guard against them in prior. But I'm here to tell you there's some churches that operate in these gifts, and they call them gifts of the Spirit. You need to know the difference. Isn't it amazing that there are nine true manifestations of the Holy Spirit and nine false manifestations of other spirits? Listen, if there weren't other spirits, John wouldn't say, test the spirits. Amen? Notice this, verse number 9. When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Amen? Now, if it was true in the Old Testament, it's true in the New Testament. Amen? God does not change. But it would be wrong of the Lord to not explain and show us and give us information on how the Holy Spirit's going to manifest. Because otherwise, we would be deceived by these other manifestations. Because, you know, you've got people in the world that operate in familiar spirits that can operate in what the word of wisdom, what would be the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. They can tell you about your life. Why? Because demon spirits have been around for a long time. They know your great, great, great grandpappy. And they take good notes. And they can speak from that. There's people that are speaking to their dead relatives that are Christians. This is ridiculousness. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. They're not walking around here trying to help you in life. I'm going to tell you something right now. and Don't get offended with me. But people in heaven could care less. Mm-hmm. They could care less about what you're going through in here. Come on now. They don't live in a land of care anymore. They're in the grandstands. They're cheering you on. But they got the bird's eye view. See, they, they see it from God's standpoint. They, you don't, you're seeing it from your standpoint. They see it from God's standpoint. 
So they could care less because they know the answer. They know the answer. They're living in the answer. Amen. And they're not up there saying, well, I got to get down there and help old Joe, you know. It's grandpappy, Joel. I just want you to know. No. Hello. Come on. There's people talking to, you know, going to fortune tellers, getting their palms read. Christians. Getting tattoos with the yin and the yang. You're going to get yinned and you're going to get yanged. Hello? Come on now. Did you know occult markings on your body are, is like marking cattle? That means demon spirits say, oh, yeah, it's one of ours. Come on now. Hello? Oh, goodness gracious. There's more veneration for the dead in this world than you realize. But Jesus said, God is not the God of the dead. <laughs> He's the God of the living. Amen? Come on now. Now, drop down to, it says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's a gift from God. For you to be able to say Jesus is Lord is a gift from God. This happened in the 16th chapter of Matthew. When Jesus said, who do men say that I am? They began to list off all these various prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood did not give that to you. He said, you didn't get that revelation just by observance, by natural understanding. You got it by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. You spoke from divine utterance. Amen? And then it says, now there are varieties of gifts. Praise God. There's varieties of gifts. And in fact, these gifts can operate differently in different people. They can express themselves. And notice it goes on and says that there are differences of service and there are differences of administration and there are differences of activities. So not one person operating in a gift is going to be like the same person that's operating that same gift. It's going to have a different nuance to it, a different uh, administration to it. Amen? That's the diversity of our God. The Holy Spirit expands and spreads himself and fills each and every one of us and empowers these gifts to express himself. See, the Holy Spirit is always here in our services. But let's be honest, he doesn't always manifest. And part of the problem is, he needs a body. Amen? So what does that mean? That means that I don't need to be the stiff-necked, holding back hand that won't move when the mind tells it to move. Come on now, sitting there, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it. God impressing on you to lay hands on your brother, to deliver them from addiction, and you sit there and say, I don't know. 
That is not the body. You're not being the body. You're being a cancer cell. You're working against the body. That's the reason why we talked about unity before. When you get to where you begin to oppose the body, that is dangerous. Amen? Okay, so there are diversities of minutes. Are you getting anything out of this? Is this? Okay, all right. Now, he says, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. In everyone. Now, I'm here to tell you that the nine manifestations of the gift of the Spirit should operate in every believer as the Spirit wills. Notice this. This is not something we will. I can't make these things happen. It's as the Spirit will. But I have the capacity, and you have the capacity, to yield to these gifts, all of them. Now, you may have a specific proclivity towards a couple that operate in you more prominently. But I'm here to tell you, just go to a foreign country. Go to a place where no one knows who you are and let God begin to flow through you. You'll begin to operate in things you don't operate right here. Come on now. And it's because God is not limited. He doesn't send somebody to Africa and say, oh my, I I sent a prophecy person and I, I, oh, what was I thinking? No, because you are born of God and you have the Holy Spirit within you, you can access all of the nine manifestations of the Spirit. Hello. Now, we look down and we see three major categories. We see what is known as the power gifts which is the working of miracles. And we have to understand that it's not just miracles. It doesn't just say miracles. It says working of miracles. Working of miracles implies that there is an action that begats a miracle. See, most people get that. They're just, I'm just waiting on a miracle. No, there's an action that, it, that begats the miracle. How about the woman with the, you know, cruise of oil? You know, she's about to have her son sold into slavery. She's about to lose everything she has. Her husband is dead, cannot provide for her. She goes to the prophet. The prophet says, get you some bowls, all that you can get. Get you some pots, some cisterns, whatever you can get. Take that last bit and begin. She had to pour it. She didn't just sit there and wait on a miracle. She had to pour it. Many times, a working of miracle is giving seed either through service or through monetary means. And when we do that, it works a miracle. You understand that? The woman about to bake her last cake. Elijah comes and says, bake me a cake. Most people say, oh my gosh, that greedy preacher. Wanting to take that woman's life. No, he was giving her the opportunity to work a miracle. Amen? Then we have gifts of healings. Notice in the the Greek language, it's healings, plural, not healing. Most people, most translations will say gift of healing. It's gifts of healings because there's a variety of maladies. There's a variety of diseases. And guess what? God's got 
all the healings you need. Gifts of healings. And then faith. Now, this is not the normal faith that you and I use to be born again. This is our to believe God for provision. This is wonder-working faith. And in fact, it is a faith that is so strong that you cannot not believe. Amen? There's been times that we've built stuff here that Karen and I have operated in the gift of faith because we, would take, we wouldn't take no for an answer. We just wouldn't do it. No matter what came our way, we were persuaded. It didn't matter who said it or what was said. It was ours. We're going to do it. Amen? See, in order to raise the dead, you have to have all three of these things in operation. You have to have a working of miracles because raising someone from the dead is a working of miracle. And when it comes to raising people from the dead, many times they would stand them up. So there was a work involved. There is the gift of wonder-working faith because you have to have faith that that person is going to be raised from the dead that is superior to your normal faith that you use. And then you have to have the gifts of healings to deliver them and to cleanse them from the malady that killed them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Then we have another section called the revelation gifts. And this is the word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge are words, prophetic words, that have uh, present or past information. Present or past information. So a word of knowledge comes forth and says, you know, you were here. You know, Jesus said this to Nathaniel. He said, you sat under the tree and, you know, and I saw you there. That was a word of knowledge. And the Bible is filled with them from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Amen? And then you have the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom tells things about the future. It always speaks in future tense. Amen? And so we we understand the difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Then the discerning of spirits. It is not discernment. I've heard people say that. Well, I've got the gift of discernment. No, that's just the gift of suspicion. I suspect that you're cheating on me. I suspect she is a character. I can tell I have discernment. That is not this gift. Discerning of spirits is to see in the realm of the spirit. That means that you're able to see the veil of this physical world pass away and you're able to see into the spirit. Amen? These are ways we receive revelation. Amen? See, now these gifts aren't meant to, for us to use on one another. Come around, let's get around and, you know, have a little prophecy square dance. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. These are for the outside. These are to convey the risen Jesus through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to those who are lost To those who do not know. That's the reason why they come as the Spirit wills. Amen? Most people will say, well, we didn't have a good service today because there was no words of wisdom. There was no words of knowledge and stuff like that. Well, let's just be honest. You've got the Bible. 
You've got teaching gifts. You have the Holy Spirit. They don't. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's people that, oh, I hope the gifts of healings operate in that service today. Well, how about this? How about you take Isaiah 53, 4, and 5? See, we're trying to minister to believers like God wants to minister to unbelievers. We are in Christ. We have his fullness. His resurrection life is on the inside of us, brother and sister. I'm already healed. I'm already blessed. I'm already, come on now. I've said this and it's made people mad. I said, if you need more than the word to receive from God, you are dumbing down. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. God doesn't mind it dumbing down because he wants you healed. He wants you saved. He's not mad at you. But you know what? I want to be like the centurion. Speak the word only. And I know that my servant shall be healed. Amen. Speak the word only. That's what I want to get. That's where I want to get. Amen. But you know what? If we need the comfort of an exhortation, the comfort of a prophecy, you know, the Lord is willing to comply with that. And he's merciful and gracious to us. And even if we need, man, I need hands laid on me. I'm going through a hard time. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to get to the place where we stop ministering to believers the way that God wants us to minister out from us to unbelievers. Come on now. And in fact, majority of of gatherings like this where people are taught and taught well. Prophecy is and tongues and interpretation are going to be the primary manifestation. Which are the utterance gifts, are the unction gifts. So we have prophecy, we have in, uh, tongues, and then we have interpretation of tongues. Okay? So prophecy is the carrier of both word of wisdom and both word of knowledge. It's the vehicle that it drives in. Amen? So when we come together, we're going to see more unction. We'll occasionally see action through the power gifts. And we'll occasionally have revelation. But majority of the time, the nine manifestations of the Spirit are for the private sector. They're for the street. Amen? Now, because the composition of our services may be, you know, some people that don't know the Lord, some people that have been taught, you know, that tongues are of the devil and and different variations of beliefs, it means that some of these things begin to manifest in our midst. But they're not the norm for a gathering of believers. They are the norm for missions and evangelistic work in our personal lives. You'll get a word for somebody at Phelps. 
I've been in the hospital and God spoke to me and said, go and tell that man his mother's going to be just fine. You know, and I'd go and, and you know, I mean, th- these are things, and I didn't know the guy. I didn't have any idea who he was. There's been times that I've seen somebody hobbling and I go over and I just say, can I pray for you? See, these are manifestations of the gift of the spirit. We think they're just, oh, I felt sorry for him. No, Jesus was moved with compassion. That was one of the major keys that he used to signal whether God wanted to do something. Because guess what? And I know you're not going to like me for saying this. Jesus didn't heal everybody. He healed everybody that came to him. And there was a time when he was on the porch where he was among a bunch of lame and sick folk and he stepped over other lame and sick folk and went and spoke to one man. Well, why didn't he just heal everybody? Because he was a man anointed of the Spirit of God. He didn't operate in his deity here. He operated as a man. 100% God, 100% man. But he was our example. He said, the works that I do shall you do and greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. It's expedient that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then the Comforter will not come. I'm here to tell you he's here. I'm here to tell you he wants to work through you. I'm here to tell you. You are a powerful person because of what you carry. And who lives on the inside of you. Now the Lord's asked me to do this as the band comes up. But if you're desiring to see more of the manifestation. Now, there's nothing that I can give you to make this happen. All I'm doing is just simply releasing my faith with yours that you will begin to be more cognizant and aware of the Spirit of God on the inside of you. I'm not giving you something. I'm not transferring anything. I'm coming into agreement with you that, yes, I'm tired of living the nominal, mediocre believer's life. And I'm ready to step over. I'm ready to step over into my inheritance, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want to release. And basically what I'm asking you to do is when you come up here to make a commitment that you are going to actively begin to release. Or am I making sense? David, the Lord told me, he said, you were a pillar in the house of God, a strong pillar within its structure. But the structure was shaken. The foundation seemed like it was destroyed. And there was a time of wandering and questioning in your heart. Why am I here? That's something that you ask even now. What am I called to do? Why am I here? The Lord wants to tell you you're still a pillar in the house. And that he's telling you and exhorting you by the Spirit of God to take your place 
He's told you this before. And this is what he said. Take your place, young man. Stand up like a man. And be the pillar that I've called you to be. For lives are depending upon you. To hold up the structure that I've built around you. Because it's still here. It's still here. The faces may change. The voices may differ. But the foundation is still here. Stand on that foundation and uphold the new building, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask Kevin to come up, Rhonda to come up. I'm going to ask uh, Bob and Leela. I'm going to ask my wife to come up here. I'm going to ask Jesse. Come on up here, my brother. Come on up here, Trevor. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm ready to step through. Jeff, Dana, I'm ready to step through. I'm tired. I'm ready to move forward. If that's you, I want you to come up here. We're going to pray for you. Now listen. We're just activating what's already yours. We're not, I don't have anything to pawn you or to give you. I'm just coming to agreement and acknowledgement of what's already on the inside. You don't need to live a substandard existence anymore. You are a supernatural spirit man, spirit woman, alive with the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Jesus has become your wisdom. He's become your strength. He's become your health. He's become everything. But oh, we've got to activate. We've got to activate it. Amen? How many have ever bought, you know, like a... um, Oh, remote controlled vehicle that you you know you move around you know often when you buy those things there's a tab where the battery's at that you have to pull and that once you pull that the power's activated I mean it, it, the, the, it's making a connection I think I just see tabs sticking out of people's backs They need to be pulled. Because the power's there. The battery's on the inside. It's already there. It's powerful. But you've got to make a decision. I'm not going to live, you know, I'm just not going to live, you know. Jesus didn't come to make you a good person. He came to replicate himself in you. You are a walking replication of Jesus if he's on the inside of you. Now we all have gifts differing because as he had the spirit without measure, you and I operate in a measure of it according to the proportion of our faith. But praise God, when we come together, 
and all these pieces come together, then praise God, we are the body of Christ and members in particular. And we can function and activate and do things that no one else can do. There's no entity that will save the world other than the church. There's no entity there. There's no government entity. There's no social enterprise that's going to solve the world's ills. It is the church. We're it, whether you like it or not. We're it. There's no angels coming to save us. We're it. Superman is in the house. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are things being worked out that you don't know about. Things that are unseen. And you've been railing and fretting and even complaining that I'm not moving fast enough, saith the Lord. But know this. I know things you don't. I see things that you do not see. So trust in me and realize that the timing will be perfect. But there are things that are going on not only over there, but here that need to be rectified and brought into plan and into place and to shape, saith the Lord. Know that I am with you, that the plan has not been aborted, that the gifts and callings of God I do not change my mind on, but be patient, be patient, be patient, and it will be all that you ever dreamed. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Activate. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Kirby, come on up here. Joel, come on up here, brother. And activate in Jesus' name. Activate. Yes. speak life. Life, life right now in Jesus' name. Life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we receive life, life, life. 
strengthen her heart right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 Life and health. Life and health in Jesus' name. Strong ventricles right now in Jesus' name. I speak life to her ventricles right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come see me tomorrow morning, all right? I'll be here, okay? Yeah, tomorrow morning, okay? You, you just let me know. You, let me know. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Supernatural strength right now in Jesus' name. Strength, strength, strength in Jesus' name. Strength, strength, strength in Jesus' name. For there has been a sorrow that has exacerbated your mood and your mind, saith the Lord. 
Yes, there has been loss on this side, but there has been great gain on the other side. And you're connected to that side, saith the Lord. So rejoice. 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 And the depression will lift, saith the Lord. Rejoice. And the black cloud that's been looming over your head will dissipate, saith God. You'll begin to see it. You'll begin to see it. You'll begin to see it. And great joy will begin to fill your whole body and your whole life as you yield to the greater one that's on the inside of you. As you yield to the greater one on the inside of you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's attacking your mental health. Right now, in Jesus' name, we break that power right now in the name of Jesus and we release from the wells of salvation that are within her the very life and nature of God that's going to bring great joy and great strength because it almost seemed like you didn't want to get out of bed many times. But the Lord said, laugh. Laugh when you don't feel like laughing. Laugh like I laugh when I look down and I see what the world is doing. Laugh, saith the Lord, laugh. Laugh, saith the Lord, laugh. Laugh, saith the Lord, laugh. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Laugh and see it dissipate. Laugh and see that dark cloud go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to just prime the pump. Laugh. Hallelujah. Break forth right now in the name of Jesus. Break forth. <laughs> yes. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. You've been too busy to be lonely. You've been too busy to be lonely. <coughs> but know that you're never alone. Know that I'm with you. And I am a full supply, and I will take care of every need that you have, saith God. If you just yield to me, if you just open yourself up and begin to realize what I put within you, saith God, you'll begin to feel so fulfilled. Fulfillment is something that you've been looking for. Fulfillment. Oh, you're busy. You're busy helping people in their lives, helping your children. But know this, I want to sustain you. I want to fulfill you. I want to strengthen you. I want to bring your dreams to pass. You've been so busy helping other people achieve their dreams. I want your dreams to come to pass, saith the Lord. So rejoice. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's raise our hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. He's good. His presence is with us. Word of knowledge came that there's people that are battling migraines, battling hip problems. If that's you, I want you to come up here. You don't need to go one more minute with this stuff. Migraine headaches. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Leela. Hip. Hip. Right over here. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pray over her. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Joe, the Lord wants you to know that you're a divine financier. That there's a grace on you to be a giver, and you've always been a giver your whole life. And you thought it was just something that, you know, you were just born that way. Well, you were. But the Lord wants to show his graciousness through your life. He wants to show it through your ability to achieve and to make money. And I firmly believe that you're going to see an even greater financial breakthrough in your life. But it's dependent on what you do with it, whether or not there will be more. Do you understand that? So be faithful and do what's in your heart in regards to what God has given you. God will increase it. And you'll be financing missions all over the world. Something that was put in your heart as a young child. For you have a divine gift of contribution and a divine gift of giving on the inside of you. Now you haven't always been faithful to it. But it's there. Amen? I just release it right now in Jesus' name. Just thank you for this man's big heart. And I just thank you, Father God. He cares and gives. Father, just help him to yield to that more and more. Help him to yield to that more and more. Help him to yield to that more and more. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get put in positions in which we really have to deny ourselves. We have to deny who we are, really. Because we're put in financial constraints or we're put in relational constraints. The Lord wants to break those off of you. And it's through the operation of giving that will bring the breakthrough, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That bear witness? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Clarity of mind in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I just hear what the canker worm and what the palmer worm is eating. God's going to restore. God's going to restore it. 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 Restoration in Jesus' name. Restoration in Jesus' name. Restoration in Jesus' name. Mm. I haven't given up on you. People haven't given up on you. But you know who has? Johnny gave up on Johnny. Johnny gave up on Johnny. Mm. Get back up. Get back up. Stop the foolishness. I'm not against you, saith the Lord. I'm not against you. Stand up. Be a man. Do what I've called you to do. Praise God. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. 
we went a little bit over here, but I think that you'll be gracious. Amen. Now the altar's open. These people are capable to help you. And if you would desire for prayer, it's open. But you know what? We've got kids waiting on us. And I'm sure that favorite booth at Styrian will still be there. God is good. Amen. It's time that we come to participate and not spectate, but to function as a body. And when we come together, it's not pastors ministering, it's we're all ministering. Because we all, you know, just like the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, when you come together, you have a tongue, you have an interpretation, have a prophecy. We need to come with the idea that I'm bringing something and you'll be amazed at what you will take away from that because the principle is always give before receiving. So I just encourage you that as we progress from this point, this season, that we prepare our hearts on Sunday and Wednesday to come together corporately and realize that we are pieces of the puzzle. We are the building blocks of an edification that God wants to assemble and that we are the habitation of God. Amen? So if you need prayer, we're here. If you need to be born again, if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you need healing in your body, these people are up here. I'm up here. We'll pray for you. Amen? You don't need to walk out the same way you came in. Amen? God is good. Amen? Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. We're going to be picking up Ephesians verse by verse. I'm going to be, you know, teaching that for the next four weeks. And we're going to get through it. Praise God. That's a faith statement. We're going to get through it. And it's going to be a good time. Amen? And then I want to tell you about something that's happened on the 27th. Our series Disclosure will be on full view on Sunday mornings. And this is a powerful message that we're going to be, you know, bringing forth about the end times and what's going on in the world. And we're going to equip you to be able to see things that you don't presently see. However, we will not be streaming. I won't be streaming to YouTube. I won't be streaming to um, uh, Facebook. I'll only stream to our website. And the reason why is because I'm going to say some things that could get me shut down. Get me shut down on YouTube. Get me shut down on Facebook. Okay? So I'm going to be talking about a lot of different things that are current events and God's disposition and what the Bible says about these things. And it's going to be very informative and it's going to be preparatory. God wants to prepare you for the future. Amen? And uh, praise God, we need to be a body that's ready. Amen? And so we're going to do that. So God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.